morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to the Sage Sayers. I'm your show host, Debbie Gardner McCullough. I'm an executive communications coach and a narrative coach from New Zealand, based in the fine state of Wisconsin. Every week, the Sage Sayers looks at communications tips and strategies, and we interview interesting individuals from all over the globe who found the Sage approach by finding gifts opportunities, and knowledge through challenging situations. This week's podcast addresses the fear of public speaking. It's the most common phobia ahead of death, spiders, or heights, and that insights from the National Institute of Mental Health, which reports that public speaking anxiety, otherwise known as glossophobia, affects around 73% of the population within the US. And what's the underlying fear? It's judgment or negative evaluation by others. Now, that data is from 2017. I suspect through COVID and other world change and working from home, the number to be a lot higher. But if fear paralyzes us when we communicate with high stakes or tricky audiences, we've two options before us. We can either accept or we can convert the situation into a gift or an opportunity. And that concept is adopting the sage perspective, which has as its premise the idea that every setback, every challenging situation, we can convert into a gift, opportunity, or knowledge to avoid an even bigger setback in the future. This week's podcast, I'm sharing ways in which mental fitness, and by that I mean our capacity to respond to challenges with positive versus negative emotions can help you communicate from a place of clear, laser-focused, loving action versus fear-induced worry and stress. And all the ideas I'm offering today, and this episode's kicking off a series, I aim to help you reduce or even prevent communication challenges that mess with you. So how do I know about mental fitness? Well, I'm a faithful practitioner of Positive Intelligence's operating system. I'm also a certified coach with Coach Shazad Shameen's Positive Intelligence program, which shares the science and practice of developing mastery over your mind so you can reach your full potential, succeed, and feel happy too. And this idea feels vital to me because I'm a self-identified introvert. And I've overcome my own big challenges with public speaking fear. In fact, my longest career is as a journalist, but my second longest career is 19 years long as a professor. And in those early days starting out, I almost derailed my career because in those very first classes, in spite of preparing well and in spite of having a lot to offer, I realized to my dismay that my body's response to my public speaking fear embarrassed me. I felt so mortified. I thought I couldn't continue. My hands were shaking. My chest was pounding. I thought it was going to explode out of my chest. And it was only through practice and mentoring from my department head at the time, uh, Dr. Bill Lenz at Chatham University, but also my kind students. And if you're listening to this podcast, thank you, thank you, because it was because of you that I continued. But looking back at this time, this time of paralyzing fear, I know that mental fitness 
and coaching would definitely have helped me get there. And by there, I mean to a place of ease and flow and love and acceptance much more quickly and with much less suffering. So now I'm going to share some steps. And this again is not an exhaustive list. I definitely recommend going to the Positive Intelligence website, which I'll show share with you later, and doing the Positive Intelligence program through me or through another coach. But this is an incomplete list of steps and starting not with your awareness of the saboteurs, which comes later with a, a future podcast, but the sage perspective. And step one within the sage perspective and approach is to quiet the survivor part of your brain with PQ reps. Step one is of that step is to notice first that you're feeling hijacked and to self-command the hijacking to stop. Just stop. And the metaphor there is to think of the hand on the hot stove. You wouldn't hold it there too long, right? Once your hand felt that heat, your brain would tell you, goodness me, that's hot. I must remove my hand or I'll burn it. So the same goes with when we're feeling hijacked from our judge or other saboteurs. So self-command that hijacking to stop and then do PQ reps. PQ reps are, and you've heard if you're listening to my podcast regularly, you'll know what they are. They're powerful 10-second exercising using one sense at a time to tackle the challenge before you with a clear and calm mind. You can use tactile, visual, or audio PQ reps to ground yourself. So let's do some together now. Why not? When you're ready, settle into your chair, put your feet on the ground, bring your shoulders back, and your head straight. Settle into your breathing. And do a couple or a few of intentional deep breaths. Let go of any thoughts you might be having. Just notice your breathing. Using visual PQ reps, pay attention to something in front of you. Notice details you might not have noticed before. Notice the lighting. The colours. The tone. Your mind might have wandered again, but that is a-okay and totally normal. Just gently ask your mind to come back. Now using tactile PQ reps. Gently rub two fingers together. Pay extreme attention to the ridges in the skin. The temperature of the skin. The details. And the sensation of the skin. Your mind might have wandered again. No worries. Just ask it gently to come back. 
Last set. Using tactile PQ wraps again. Gently use the fingers of one hand to touch the other. Pay extreme attention to the, all the sensations. Gently touching the fingers of one hand to your other. It's about two to five minutes of PQ reps. And you might have noticed, I hope, that your mind became a little bit more peaceful now. Your body a little more grounded. And that survivalist part of your mind quietened. With that survivalist part of your mind quietened, now let's move to stage two, finding the sage perspective. Finding the sage perspective to whatever communication challenge you're facing today or this week or in the future requires accepting versus resisting what's before you. If we're feeling irked and anxious as we prepare or even as we deliver this message, you know your judge and your saboteurs, which you can learn about in a future podcast, are messing with you. But we're just going to focus for the purpose of brevity and focus just on the judge today. So here are some of the lies that my judge spins at me, throws at me when I'm presenting or crafting any message to a spooky audience. This message is so hard, my judge might tell me. My audience will be so bored, is another familiar lie. I'm so bad at this. I'm such a lousy communicator, is another lie. Everyone's going to notice I'm nervous and the real clangor I'm going to lose my job or client or the respect from my students. This is doom. Do any of these lies sound familiar? You'll have your own, but hopefully this paints the picture that it's now time to find the sage perspective. In Shazad Shamin's delightful book, the same name as his excellent program, Positive Intelligence, why only 20% of teams and individuals and individuals achieve their true potential and how you can achieve yours. He shares a delightful stallion story. It's a Chinese parable and it illustrates a key difference between the judge and the sage perspectives. I'm just going to read it to you. An old farmer lives on his farm with his teenage son. He also has a beautiful stallion that he lovingly cares for. The farmer enters his stallion into the annual country fair competition, and there it wins first prize. The farmer's neighbours gather to congratulate him on this great win. He calmly says, who knows what is good and what is bad? Puzzled by his reaction, the neighbours go away. The next week, some thieves who heard about the stallion's increased value steal the horse. 
When the neighbours come to commiserate with the farmer, they find him again very calm and gathered. He says, who knows what is good and what is bad? Several days later, the spirited stallion escapes from the thieves and finds his way back to the farm, bringing with him a few wild mares he's befriended along the way. To his neighbours' excited rounds of congratulations, the old farmer once again says, who knows what is good and what is bad. A few weeks later, the farmer's son is thrown off one of these new mares as he's trying to break it in, and his leg is fractured. As the neighbours gather to commiserate with the old farmer, he once again reminds them, who knows what is good and what is bad. The following week, the Imperial Army marches through the village, constricting all eligible young men for the war that's just broken out. The old farmer's son is spared due to his fractured leg. The neighbours no longer bother to come to the old farmer to congratulate him. By now, they know what his response will be. Who knows what is good and what is bad? So to find what I found useful about this Chinese parable, the stallion story, is it helps drive home for us the import, how important it is for us to distinguish the judge versus the sage perspective. So to find the sage perspective, try the three gifts technique. You can ask yourself three scenarios where this communication challenge you're laboring with can actually become a gift or even an opportunity. Might you gain, for instance, access to an otherwise inaccessible audience? Practice to overcome your public speaking fear and no longer situate yourself within that 73% of speakers paralyzed with fear. Might you learn something new about yourself, your audience, or even your situation? For me, the sage perspective that no bad outcome exists liberates. I feel the burden of all that negativity diminish and I can call the bluff on my judge's lies. What happens to my body and how I perform as a presenter from this vital shift? Well, I, I relax. I feel more peaceful. And I also enjoy my task a lot more. I resist less. And all of this improves how I perform and go about my job. Step three, employ the empathy power. And this is one of my favorites because if you're employing one of the five sage powers, there are five of them, starting with empathy to yourself and others, it drives home this delightful notion that we're all a mixed bag of perfection and imperfections. Coach Hazard writes that empathy recharges our batteries and renews the vitality that our judge can otherwise drain from us. So it's a very powerful tool and something that many leaders are realizing they need to instill in their messages today, especially when many workers are returning back to work and needing to feel that they can safely, but also working from home for a year was a Herculean task. So this empathy power helps me before and even during a meaty 
presentation or even a written message that I'm crafting. Here's what the empathy power does for me. It helps me stop chastising myself. And I stop beating myself up once I employ the empathy power. And I also consider the audience's perspective because part of the empathy power not isn't just for you, it's for others as, as well, right? So when I employ empathy for my audience and really tap into that, I start to imagine what it must be like for them to come to my message, to listen to my message. I imagine the burden that they must feel of constant meetings, constant emails, and having to listen to or read the message that I'm crafting. And this step helps me become more considerate, I would say. I stay brief. I remain collaborative when I'm sharing my message orally. And I remain audience-centered. I speak to and with my audience versus speak down to them in kind of a hectoring, arrogant kind of way. And I think this does drive results, this empathy piece. So how do we get there? Well, there's all kinds of different ways, but the positive intelligence way is, and the mental fitness way is to visit, visualize the child power game. Visualize the child. It's a power game that helps shift your brain to feel empathy and care for you and your audience. And here's how I do it. I look to a childhood photo and I've just taken one from my desk and I look for my essence. I'm looking at a photo right now. It's of me at a New Zealand beach. I've already remember what my mother scribbled on the back. It's 1972, so I'm two years old. And we're at a South Island beach on a summer's day. When I look at this photo of me in a little terry cloth romper in bright sunshine yellow, and I'm clearly wearing my mother's uh, voluminous sun hat, which is red and white striped, and my mum's laughing at me. And I remember from this photo my essence I was very playful as a kid and still am a very playful person. I'm quite bold. Looking at this photo, I remember too that even then at age two, I really didn't give a hoot what others thought of me. And I know that because at looking at this picture, I can see the farming boys behind me take, uh, scowling or looking a little curious, let's say, uh, wondering what on earth that silly Debbie is up to. But I didn't care. I just remember not caring what others thought. And I also remember being quite spontaneous and very direct as a communicator. I remember blurting to my mum before this photo, can I hit that hat? It's quite a direct request, isn't it? So if I can just look at this photo in this moment and think of my essence, it's boldness, it's playfulness. It's spontaneity, it's direct communication, and it's not really caring too much deep down what others think, but not in a selfish or damaging way, more so a brave kind of way. I was able to kind of tune it out because I was very focused on what I wanted to do. Now, as I listen and look at this, listen to my own description here, and then look at this picture, which I'll share to my post. I feel something shifted in me. I'm not sure if you can hear the nuance in my tone, but I feel more affectionate. 
I feel more at ease. And something additional that comes to me, perhaps as a woman communicator, often functioning in male-dominated spaces or technical spaces, places where I'm not um, very familiar, I feel a sense of pride that I'm here today with this honor and privilege of being in a position where I can share this message. This photo of me at age two reminds me that I started in the wilderness of New Zealand. That's where I began my life. I was a farm kid and I had a lot of dreams. And here I am in front of a high stakes audience today, my podcast listeners, but when I present and coach and facilitate Fortune 500 companies, heavens forbid, bright erudite students, whoever it is, there I am. And yet that's not what what destiny had in store for me. It's kind of a miracle I got to America and got to where I am today. And I'm very proud of being here. So this empathy power for me has an additional gift of reminding me of where I've come and reminding me that this is a gift. This is truly a gift because not everybody gets to stand in front of audiences and share their ideas. And lucky me that I do. I also love that this empathy power helps me. So we've talked considerably, probably too long now, about empathy for yourself. But the other power of this empathy power, benefit I should say, is it's encouraging you to have empathy for your audience. So you can use the same technique of looking at a childhood picture of yourself and looking for its essence to help ground and and settle you and shift that uh, survivor part of the brain. You can also do it for your audience. So if, for instance, I'm interviewing an influencer, hasn't happened a lot, but it's happening more often, or I'm writing a story on someone very, very bright and established and a genius of sorts, or a business leader, I often check out their LinkedIn profile and try to look for a narrative thread and use that same childhood empathy technique to visualize what it must have been like for this leader, this person that could intimidate me if I allow them to, what they must have been like as a child. And that's very, very helpful to think about them as a child. It grounds me to them and I feel less spooked and less intimidated. But additionally, here's another way to use that empathy power with your audience. When you're in front of your audience, oftentimes our judge hijacks us midstream, right? Has that ever happened to you? It happens to me a lot. For instance, you might misinterpret someone's facial expression or perhaps one or several people get up and they collectively go and get more tea in the lobby if you're at a conference center or get up to use the restroom, heaven forbid. And my judge will trick me that they're leaving because of me and my boring presentation. Well, this empathy power can help you rebound from that hijacking and tell yourself, no, they might have something going on. Maybe an emergency call came in they had to take. Or maybe that grumpy or disgruntled expression is because they ate something that disagreed with them. Or perhaps there's some hardship in their life and they're having a quiet, reflective moment just at the moment that you happen to look up and notice their face. So you see there again, this empathy power can help us feel less hijacked and less 
contingent, less um, captive to our audience response to how we feel and perform as we present. The empathy power and those moments help you call the bluff of your judges' lies before and during your meetings. So now you have some early mental fitness techniques to try in your next challenge that you face as a communicator. I hope you found them helpful. I truly do. The next installment will tackle the other four sage powers that we didn't touch on today, including explorer power to understand what's truly going on when you're feeling spooked and why this message is bothering you so much. The innovate power to help generate strategy and ideas. The navigate power to help decide what's most important. And the activate power to drive action. I encourage you to try the positive intelligence program because I know it really works. And check out their website at positiveintelligence.com or you'll find the link and the saboteur assessment through my show notes. You can also check out my website at hangingrockcoaching.com or see the show notes for my coaching and training services in mental fitness, narrative coaching, and communication coaching. My new workshops are there too. You're listening to Debbie McCullough with the Sage Sayers, and I am podcasting for you today from Wisconsin. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak with you next week. Bye for now.